Thank you, everyone. <laughs> um, all right, well, it's a, it's a great privilege to actually get up here and um, share today. I am going to be sharing my testimony, so my story. <laughs> um, and this is the first time I have done it. I think actually I did give a very brief version of my testimony once when I was quite newly saved um, and at City Life Church in a youth program. So that was maybe more of a five-minute thing. So half an hour to 45 minutes is a long time. <laughs> I'll try to keep it to that because there's kind of a lot in there. <laughs> Half an hour. Okay. All right. Um, okay. I'll just pray. Thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to speak um, to our church. I just pray that, um, that as I do share my story, Lord God, that um, your Holy Spirit will speak through me to the hearts and the minds of, um, of our people. Lord God, I just pray that um, your truth will come through, um, that I'll be able to speak with humility um, and basically just share, share your love with um, our church. Amen. Okay, so I guess I'll go right back to the beginning <laughs> of me and, um, and just, yeah, so I was born and raised in Melbourne. Um, I grew up in Wonturner. Um, I had two um, Dutch parents, so I'm 100% Dutch. <laughs> but I can't speak a word of Dutch, unfortunately, because um, they really wanted to, um, yeah, the whole family, I think, just wanted us to fit in in Australia. So, um, so yeah, so, so I can't speak it, but I do have the Dutch heritage. Um, my family were Catholic, so there was, I guess, a foundation of faith. Um, and I, you know, my parents put me into Catholic school, so I, um, I went to a Catholic primary school, um, and, and later on a Catholic secondary school as well. Um, but my family were not overly religious. So I think what they really loved about um, the Catholic church and Catholic schooling system in particular was that um, they really strongly believed in the values. And um, I would say that my, my family all did have a strong sense of values. Um, I grew up in a family where there was a lot of love um, and I think the values of service really came through in my family, service um, to, you know, their own family. So this, this is from my grandparents, my parents, even my sister is here today, which is amazing. It's her first time at this church. Um, and, and yeah, so, so those values of, of love and service really were a part of my upbringing. Um, but it wasn't a strong, I guess, Christian foundation in that, like, we never prayed at home, like, there was no um, Bible in our house or anything like that. Um, and I think whilst I definitely know my mum believed in God and she, and she dutifully, like, she took me to Mass. When you go to Catholic school, like, you've got to go to Mass on the weekends and everything. Um, it, it wasn't the centre centre of their lives, I would say. 
Um, so growing up, I definitely had a faith in God. Like I had that childlike faith that just believed and I was taught, um, like I even, I've been doing this whole kind of like uncovering of my history lately. <laughs> like I've been going through old journals and boxes of memories and I found, um, you know, this school report from prep recently that said, had the whole section on, um, on faith and it said that Alicia is growing in her knowledge of the word and, um, and Alicia participates fully in prayer. So even back then as a child, like, you know, there was, there was that growing belief and foundation. Um, but, but, you know, there was also a lot of questions at the same time. Um, and particularly among many of my family members, you know, there was, there was a lot of questions and a lot of scepticism and a lot of doubt. Um, I do strongly remember, because I went through all of my sacraments, so, you know, in the Catholic system, you're baptised as a baby at birth, and then um, I think from memory it was around grade three, you do the sacrament of baptism, grade four, it's reconciliation, um, grade five, confirmation. And I remember, like, I went through all of these sacraments, um, confirmation was about confirming your faith in Jesus, in your faith in God. And I felt really, like as a, you know, it's probably 10-year-old little girl, I felt really conflicted at that time because I was still questioning. Um, And, but this, the sacrament was part of the school curriculum. And so we all went through that sacrament and we all said the words, but I know that I never actually confirmed those words in my heart. I was definitely still questioning. Um, yeah. So in year seven, um, at the age probably 11, I would say, um, my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. So, which was obviously really, really traumatic news for our whole family and it set us, you know, on a completely different path. Before then, my life was pretty easy, like I had a happy family home, everything was good. Um, It was not, like, probably it was not without its problems as well, but, you know, but overall everything was pretty good. Um, When mum got sick, obviously that all changed Um, and, and it was you know, it was a five-year journey for her um, in, you know, in battling breast cancer. She had um, several treatments, double mastectomy, you know, chemotherapy, radiotherapy. Um, She went into remission. She got it again. It was, it was a big journey. And I have to, again, like, honour my sister for how she cared for my mum during that time. I remember her taking her to her appointments she was over at our house all the time. My sister's 20 years older than me, but, you know, she really served our family um, through that time. And um, unfortunately, uh, my mum lost that battle with cancer. So it was the beginning of year 11 for me um, that mum actually passed away. So it was a, it was a huge significant, painful experience, you know, in my life, like losing a loved one, it's probably one of the hardest things that anybody can go through, 
Um, and I remember at the time someone saying to me, you know, if there was a God, how could this God allow this to happen to mum? Because if anyone has had a loved one go through cancer, which I think most people probably know someone, um, it's awful. Like, it really, really is um, an awful way um, to suffer through an illness and, and to die as well. It's, there's nothing nice about it. Um, but those words really um, re stuck with me at the time. They're like, yeah, because I was questioning and someone said, you know, how could they let this happen? How could, if there was a God, how could he let it happen? I was like, well, I'm not going to believe. Like, I just, I made that decision. I was like, it's too painful. I'm not going to believe. Um, and so, you know, and, and I was a 16-year-old girl at an all-girls school. But, you know, this was the age, the time of parties, you know, 16-year-old birthday parties and everything. Um, so I made a decision not to believe. I let go of my faith, um, my morals in a way, and I felt like I had a reason to be angry and a reason to be bad in a lot of ways. Um, and so, yeah, I made a lot of stupid decisions, you know. There was lots of parties. There was drinking. There was boys. There was stealing. There was lying, cheating, swearing. That was actually my life for quite a while. Um, I did all of those things. Uh, but funny enough, um, despite making that decision in my heart not to believe, I was always drawn to people of faith. <laughs> and people kept coming into my life that had strong faith. And that made me really, um, I was curious. I was like, how do these people believe, you know? And how are these people um, still sticking by a moral code? Like how, you know, I, I was really curious about these Christians that I kept me meeting. Um, so after school finished, um, so year 12, after I finished year 12, I was working at Jackie E in the Glen, selling clothing. <laughs> and um, I was working with um, another girl called Susie. And Susie was one of these Christians that I had met and um, was telling me about her, um, her church and was telling me about her small group, her cell group. I was like, what is a cell group? Like I had never even heard about anything like this. Um, and she's like, you should come. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, I will. Like, I was curious. I was really intrigued by, um, by people, by Christians, pretty much. <laughs> and so I went to her cell group. At the time, they were reading the book, A Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And I got the book and I started reading. Um, and... I started attending her church. She went to Waverley Baptist, which was actually just down the road from my house. Um, and I started going along. Um, Ella actually went to that church. <laughs> so I met Ella um, a very, very long time ago. So 
it was at this um, Baptist church that I saw a lot of people that um, were very passionate about Jesus, about God, people who read the Word of God, who actually had Bibles in their home, um, because that wasn't something I was actually familiar with at all. We always had Bibles at church. I didn't know anyone that had a Bible in their home. Um, and in their cell group, they were reading the Bible, which I was like, Does, do people read the Bible? <laughs> this was completely foreign to me. So I guess I got introduced to all of that then. Um, I went along, I listened, I could, I could hear the sermons and, and I felt like the messages were good, the people were nice. I went along to the youth group, that's where I did meet Ella. Um, but... I had this feeling when I was going there that all of these people were so good and they didn't realise how bad I actually was. All of the wrong things I had done um, and I had so much shame about all of the mistakes I had made in my life that I actually didn't really feel like I belonged with all the good people. <laughs> That was my perception of it. Um, and sort of, so I, look, I attended this church for six months and it, so it took me sort of halfway through my first year of uni. At that time, um, I did have a boyfriend who um, was actually a Christian, a Catholic, but, you know, a Catholic that did read his Bible. And he was um, in WA um, working in an Aboriginal com community doing missions um, so, as I said, you know, I was drawn to these Christian people. Um, and I became very, very lonely because I think he had been a bit of a crutch for me during Year 12 and everything. Um, but even though I was attending this church um, and obviously, you know, I still had someone on the phone, I, I started to feel really, really lonely. I was really, really missing my mum. And I started emotional eating. I probably, look, I was probably an emotional eater much before then. Um, but at this particular time, I really just started um, eating a lot when I was really, really sad. Eating a lot of chocolate and ice cream and everything like that. One day, I decided to throw it up. And, um, and I actually, that day, you know, was the beginning of something that, you know, turned into actually a five-year um, battle with bulimia. That started then. Um, I, I got to this point of loneliness and also um, the thing was I was at uni, I was still in contact with all my school friends. My school friends at that stage um, had all just started clubbing. So they were in the first year of uni, we were all 18, everybody was going out on the weekend, drinking, and everyone started taking drugs as well. Um, and here I was attending the Baptist church as a Christian, well, as someone who was still questioning and still curious and still learning, um, with a lot of internal kind of pain kind of going on, and I decided that I wasn't going to attend Waverley Baptist anymore. I broke up with my boyfriend um, because I wanted to hang out with my friends, my school friends. 
I didn't want to be alone anymore. I didn't want to be lonely. I just wanted my friends. And so I made the decision not to pursue God anymore. And I made the decision to be bad, I guess. In my mind, I had this choice. I was either going to be good, like the good Christians, or I was on the flip side, I was going to be bad, like everyone else. So I chose to be bad. Um, And I threw myself into the clubbing scene. It was funny because my friends were dabbling in, in drugs. They were, um, you know, taking half a pill and seeing what happened. Um, Very, very quickly, um, I was the opposite because I had made the decision to be bad and so (laughs) um, I was going to be really bad. (laughs) And so I, for me, it was not just half, it was one, it was two, it was three and it wasn't just ecstasy, it was cocaine and it was um, ketamine and it was all these other things anyway. I don't have to go into it. But, um, but I did. I threw myself into it. I became a promoter um, of a nightclub. Um, I started, you know, stealing again. Um, and I started dealing as well. Yes. <laughs> I'm a cell group leader, guys. <laughs> So here I hit my crisis point. It was the end, it was the end of um, 2004, beginning of 2005, and I hit a really, really low point. Um, I had failed three units at uni that um, semester. I was, at, I was at Melbourne Uni, and I had actually, despite, you know, all of my misbehaviour in high school, I had graduated with a really high mark, and it had become part of my identity that I was smart, I guess. That was, you know, I had been successful in school. And then I failed miserably in my first year of uni. Um, I, you know, I was actually stuck in a job I disliked. At this time, I was just working in a cafe, um, but, you know, wasn't really what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I was living this reckless, corrupted life, and I actually was severely bulimic at this stage. I was throwing up 10 times a day. So, you know, things were bad, and I felt like I had no hope and no future um, at that point in time. And this is when I met another Christian. Funny enough, I met this Christian at like 3 o'clock in the morning at a nightclub. So he wasn't a perfect Christian, <laughs> but he had a faith in God, <laughs> and he started talking to me about his faith, and again, I was really um, intrigued, really curious, and again, kind of being pulled back, um, back by God again. Um, I ended up moving out with this guy. There was no, there was no relationship between us, but um, he needed a housemate, and at that point in time, things were not good at home. I was fighting a lot with my dad, as you can imagine. I wasn't um, being a very good daughter at this stage. 
I remember turning up to Christmas Day at my sister's house and I was still high. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> so, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't living a very um, good life as a daughter and a sister and everything. Um, and so I decided to move out of home. Um, and this guy, you know, he was a Christian, so he was talking to me a lot about Jesus. And he um, invited me to go to Bayside Church one Sunday, which is um, a Pentecostal church um, in Cheltenham. I'd never been to a Pentecostal church before, and again, I was curious, and so I decided to um, go along. And obviously, like, my life was so bad at this point. I'm like, look, I'll give this another try again. When I walked through the doors, I'll never forget it, but, um, you know, the congregation was in worship and there was something in the air, like, and I know now it's the Holy Spirit, but I couldn't explain it then, I'd never felt it before, um, but it was such a thick kind of presence of God in that place. And I remember sitting there and looking around and seeing all these people that were truly joyful in worship, like they were truly, they had deep down joy, like you could see it. And I was so far away from that at that point. I didn't have that joy in my life. Um, so it felt good to be there. I listened to the sermon. I don't know if it was that one, but I do remember um, Rob Buckingham, the pastor, um, in one of his early sermons that I listened to um, he told a story about when he was younger and he was a hippie and smoked marijuana. And I was like, oh, the pastor has taken drugs. I was, like, I was like, oh, my goodness, it's okay. It's okay for me to be here was basically it. Because before then, I felt like I didn't belong with Christians, that they were all too good. And I was like, oh, he's been bad. It's okay. I can be here. Um <laughs> So I, yeah, so I was, I was attending, I was going each Sunday, I didn't really understand a lot of the things they did. Everyone was lifting their hands and I thought that was incredibly weird. Um, you know, I would have heard people speaking in tongues, again, it was like so, so weird for someone that grew up in a Catholic church. Um, <laughs> it is, it like... <laughs> And it took a lot of getting used to it. It took a lot of, you know, I literally, so after that first week when my housemate took me, he didn't actually attend that church. So I took myself. I was going by myself and I was sitting at the back and I was observing and it seemed good, but it seemed very, very weird. And so I was just listening, taking it in. Um, every, after every sermon at Bayside at that time, I don't know if they still do, but there was always an altar call. Um, and they always would ask if anybody um, wanted to accept Jesus as their personal saviour. Again, I'd never heard this, or maybe I did at Waverley Baptist, it didn't stick with me. At this point in time, it was sticking to me. I kept hearing this, like, accept Jesus as your personal saviour. And for someone who's questioning, like, and has been questioning for a while, even if you've grown up in church, like, it's, it's such a full-on thing to actually accept that. And it took a, a while for me to actually get to the point where I was ready to. Um, but one day when they did the altar call at the end, my heart was just like beating like a drum. 
And I'm like, okay, I've got to do this. And so I walked up to the front and, and someone prayed the sinner's prayer with me and I actually did. I just accepted Jesus as my saviour. I think at the time I, I just felt like, you know, I could not do life on my own anymore. I had tried and I had failed. There was too much pain deep down within me um, and I didn't know how to face it on my own. And I, I kind of thought, like, you know, if this is wrong and, like, Jesus isn't real, like, what's the worst that could happen if I just, in faith, surrender myself? All these people look happy. <laughs> I was like, all these people are doing good things. They're all kind. There's, like, you know, there's all this stuff. Like, they look pretty joyful. I was like... The worst that can happen is maybe I get some of that joy. The flip side, um, if I was, you know, if it was true and I decided not to accept, then the repercussions were actually so much greater. So I think that's what weighed on me. And I said, you know, even though I haven't found the answer, even though, like, I haven't, I've still doubted, like, there's still questions that are unanswered. I still don't have, like, the perfect justification for believing in this. I'm like, I'm just going to believe. Like, I got to that point because, um, as I said, yeah, life just was, wasn't, I couldn't do it alone anymore. Um, what am I up to? <laughs> okay. So after I prayed that prayer, the turnaround in my life was nothing short of miraculous. Um, I, it was like once I knew that Jesus was with me, once I had actually committed to him and I wasn't alone anymore and I started to do the right thing again, that um, I all of a sudden had the strength to walk through the pain about, you know, the, the actual, the grief from losing my mum. Because up to that point, it had actually been five years since I had lost my mum, but I hadn't grieved. I had tried to do life in my own strength and I had tried to succeed at things like my school and I had tried to, you know, get lots of friends. I thought that, you know, having lots of friends was going to help me and everything like that. But actually, um, I needed to grieve. But grieving was too painful to do on my own. And I didn't have the strength to do it at the time. So for the next, like, weeks and months, when I attended Bayside Church, every single service, I was bawling my eyes out. And I went up for prayer during the altar call so many times because there was so much grief in me, so many tears that needed to be cried. And so I did. I just cried and cried and cried and cried all of these tears. But through those months, like, God really healed me from, from that pain. Um, and those tears, those tears were healing. And I needed to cry those tears. And it made a big big difference in all the areas of my life um, that I actually processed through that grief. Um, 
started to make better choices, I actually had to take some time away from my friends at that stage because my friends were still in the clubbing scene. And by this point, they were all kind of catching up to where I had been. So I just, you know, threw myself into it. <laughs> they, quite, they sort of took their time, but they were actually catching up to me. And I um, decided I had to pull away from it because being in that environment was way too tempting. I did go... Um, actually, I'll backtrack a bit. So um, one thing I decided to do was Alpha. And um, it was run by a beautiful couple who hosted it in their home. Um, I don't know if anyone knows, but Alpha is a course that kind of like takes you through the fundamentals of Christianity. And right at the end, I think there's, there is a session on being filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't really know what any of these terms meant at that stage, but, um, but they prayed for me in that last session of Alpha Um, and it was a very supernatural thing like I literally I you know fell down in the spirit I got filled with the spirit and I was I think I was praying in tongues for half an hour like it was something for me (laughs) was like so out of the ordinary Um, but after I got filled with the spirit like I'll never forget it when I walked outside it was like night and day the world was in technicolor like I looked up at the trees and they were glittering and like everything it was like something had been removed from my eyes and I saw the world differently and I um and everything was really different I was on fire for God at this stage guys like I wanted everyone to be saved my sister thought I joined a cult like she really did (laughs) and I think all of my friends they almost wanted to disown me because I would, I'd gone crazy. Like, I was like, everybody needs to be saved by Jesus right now. Like, this is like... <laughs> and I was trying to tell the whole world, and I was trying to tell my family, and um, every time I saw my family, I was talking about Jesus and getting saved, and they all thought I, was, I had gone completely crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, my, but my life had changed so much, and... Um, I still made mistakes. So, you know, I was about to say before, I did go out clubbing with my friends a couple of times after getting saved. And particularly after getting filled with the Spirit. Um, I went out and I took drugs a handful of times again. And it was so different, I have to say. Um, I had previously, you know, taken ecstasy and felt ecstasy like I had felt like this enormous high um and then you know two or three days later this enormous come down and deep depression and everything that kind of comes from doing those drugs um this time I I remember really distinctly um being at a club taking um a pill and what happened was no ecstasy I saw demons all around me in this club and um, speaking into the ears of the people that were dancing, um, disfigured mouths as they were dancing in this place. I saw an enormous gargoyle like in the club and like, and it was, it frightened me like no end. I did one other time, I took another hallucinogen and, um, and it was the same. All I saw was demons. And so, um, and that's when I stopped, <laughs> because 
I never wanted to do that again. It was too frightening. But I think what happened was when I got filled with the Spirit, I, it's like God gave me the ability to see truth. And in those places, there are demons there. I believe it with no shadow of a doubt. Um, but I just don't think that the people see it. I think they're being deceived and their eyes are blinded. They don't know. I, I honestly truly believe that I was seeing truth and it was really, really frightening. So I stopped. Um, the other, you know, the other thing, reflection about drugs um, that I've shared with many people before was that the reason I was taking them, especially ecstasy, was because I was depressed my life was painful, like I was hurting and, um, and I wanted to feel good. I wanted to feel joy. I wanted to feel ecstasy, like that sounds great. And you do, you feel amazing when you're on these things. Being in church, being in worship, I felt ecstasy. And the difference was um, it was free. <laughs> Didn't have to pay for it. There was no nasty come down. <laughs> um, throughout the week, I actually just felt better and better. And it, was, and it was an ecstasy that I could share with other people. It wasn't, it wasn't something that was just for me. It wasn't something that I would take and then come down from and then be depleted of all energy and de- be depleted of all capacity to give. The ecstasy that I was receiving in church for free was something that was actually to be poured out into the lives of the people around me and something to share. Um, So, (laughs) um, so I stopped taking drugs. I began the journey to overcome bulimia. It still took me a few more years because it was some really hard addictions to break. And whilst I could move away from the settings where I was tempted with drugs. I couldn't move away from food. <laughs> like, I was actually addicted to binging and then purging, and it was, it was very hard, and that was something that I had to work through over a number of years. Um, I began to rectify relationships with my family, so with my dad and with my, um, my other family members, you know, even though they thought I was a bit crazy, um, I did begin to work on rectifying those relationships. And I decided to move back home with my dad. And after that, life was a lot better at home with my dad, which was good. So, obviously, this is all quite a long time ago now. So, I'm 33. It's been 14 years since I got saved. Um, and I guess I just wanted to summarise how my life has been different since um, and what I feel like God is really speaking to me today as I, you know, over the last week have reflected on my own story um, and, and what I feel like the message f- like from God is for everyone in, you know, the context of this today. So... I'd say that, you know, life is full of ups and downs. For me, the biggest triggering point um, in my depression, in my rebellion, in everything was losing my mum. Since then, I've lost four, five more family members. So I've lost my dad, 
I've lost an aunt, I've lost two uncles, I've lost my nana as well, I think that's the five. Um, So there's been a lot of loss and a lot of grief. The difference for me since getting saved was that I wasn't afraid of facing the grief and walking through the pain and the sadness that I felt. The first time around when I lost mum, I just wasn't prepared. And so I decided I wanted to be strong. And me wanting to be strong was me like burying it down and just going on with life. That's what I thought strength was. The the opposite is actually true. I think the strength is when you actually have the courage to be vulnerable to your pain and to acknowledge your pain, be honest about your pain, to seek counsel, to seek help. And I didn't have that courage before, but the subsequent times that happened, I did. The other thing was I... um, I knew I wasn't alone. So, I, you know, that, that is what gave me the courage. It was the love of God being poured into my, la- my life that gave me the courage to walk through all of those things. And um, it was a community of believers as well because every time something bad happened, I lost another family member. And that's not the only thing that has happened that's been bad in my life, but it's probably been quite, a, you know, significant ones. But I had a community of people around me that would pray with me, that would counsel me, that would love and, and, um, and give to me in ways, you know, that I couldn't myself at the time. When you're feeling broken, like, you know, you need, you need help. And um, in the church, I found so much help. So I think that has been a huge difference in that whenever something terrible has happened, I've been able to face it with courage and walk through it and learn from it and get to the point where I can actually then, you know, be a blessing to others and and carry them through the same thing. And that's probably what I want to um, get to at, at the end here. It's kind of going right back to the beginning about, you know, what my family were like, um, why they um, wanted me to be baptised as a Catholic, why they, you know, believed in Christianity was because of values, um, because of the values of love and service. Um, and, And I think that's the point that, I'm at right now. I do think that over the last 14 years, I've received a lot of help. Um, And I've been blessed to be in a community that loves and cares and has looked after me. And I have, um, and I am the woman I am today because of the service of others. My challenge right now is that for the next 14 years, I'm going to be that person and that I'm going to be that person for my family and I'm going to be that person for, you know, my unsaved friends, for my work colleagues, the parents I meet at school. There is so much need out there. There is so much brokenness. There is so much pain that people cannot 
um, work through on their own. And so, um, you know, I'm no perfect person. <laughs> and, you know, I ha- like, this has taken a while for me to really get to this point where I'm like, this is where I need to go, but I need to actually be a servant. Um, and so that's what I guess I'm going to encourage everyone here. If you know people that are going through painful things, that have baggage, that have hurt, you know, it took me five years. It was only in church that I started to grieve my mum. There's probably people that have grief bottled up inside of them for 20 years or 30 years or more, you know, um, that need love and care and prayer. I think more than anything else, it was actually the, the prayers that people, you know, laying their hands on me and praying for me actually caused the most transformation in my life. And to be completely honest, like as a Christian, I've often held back from like praying for people and it's myself. I'm like, you know, oh, what's if I don't say the right words or, you know, what are they going to think of me? They're going to think I'm weird if I pray for them and stuff like that. But people need prayer. They really, really do. That was the thing that changed my life. So I need to step out in faith and pray for people. Um. That final song that we sung, God's Unfailing Love, um, Washing Over Us, I think as that was being sung, I just really felt like, you know, it is God's love that gives us the courage. You know, courage is from the heart, but the courage to serve. Because serving is often stepping out of our comfort zone. Serving, you know, maybe you are a bit fearful of what other people are going to think of you if you pray for them. Or maybe you're fearful that you're not going to have enough time to do this and that. Or you're not, you know, like whatever it is, we need courage to actually just cut through that. Step step out and, and actually be the people that Jesus has called us to be because we are his hands and feet. You know, he cannot work in the world without us. He works through people. So I think that song really spoke to me in that, you know, we need God's love to, his unfailing love to wash over us, but it's so that we can then um, share that love with the world. That's it. (laughs) So proud of her. How amazing. How amazing was that? Wow. Um, Can I just say there's no such thing as a perfect Christian. I thank God for that very imperfect Christian that was in that nightclub at three o'clock in the morning that day, that morning. Remind me straight away of the story of the woman at the well, you know, she, um, she had five, she'd had five husbands and the one she was with now wasn't her husband. And she met Jesus, and straight away she was the one that went back to her town and told the whole town about Jesus, and they all ended up meeting with him. You know, God will use any of us at any point in our lives to bring the good news to anyone. So there's no room for shame, is there, in the kingdom of God? We just need him.